Back here on this Saturday morning, it's Sports Medicine Weekly. Feel free to reach us on Facebook and our website, smwhome.net or sportsmedicineweekly.com. Coming up in our next segment, Ask the Doctor. When you ask the questions, Dr. Cole will answer. I was trying to answer questions at my dinner table last night, Dr. Cole, believe it or not. I mean, they know we do this show. My wife always says, you're not a doctor, so be careful. We joke about that. But with our two boys, we had a discussion of um, what sports have the most concussions and most ACL injuries. And I brought up from what I've learned from Dr. Cole, girls soccer on the ACL side. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, the first thing to know is that it's probably about five to seven girls to every male, every boy that tears their ACL. So in my office on any given Monday, I will have you know several ACLs come in acute, meaning they just happened, and probably at least four to every one will be women to men, wow. and, and girls to boys. So there's all these predisposing factors. But as far as the sports, you know, some of it's seasonal. But I will tell you, and I agree, you're right. Uh, you got to look at what women have the opportunity to participate in at a very high level, and it's soccer and it's basketball. And it, I rarely see it in tennis. You occasionally I see it in uh, field hockey or women's lacrosse and things like that. Uh, but soccer, by and large, seems to be, and, and it seems to be a big one. And I'll tell you why. What's interesting is that you almost never see an ACL tear out of competition. Almost all ACL tears happen when you're competing against someone else. You don't see it in the open range when someone's training and they're running and they're doing things. And it has a lot to do with when there's another athlete nearby, there's what we call, I've used this before, a perturbation. There's something that in a nanosecond happens and the body doesn't react responsibly and the forces get directed towards the knee and towards the ACL. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So your brain has to I'm thinking to of cutting and slicing. Yeah, exactly. And, you know. So you, know, you could go out, cut, jump, pivot, single leg hop, double leg hop, you know, run as fast as you can and cut to the right or the left. If there's no one around you, your brain is deeply connected in a reliable way to your joint. But if there's someone around you and you've got to quickly make an adjustment, that's when things happen. And most and are non-contact, correct? They're non-contact, but they're they're almost always in the presence of someone else okay. or something very nearby. I mean, it could be a sideline post, you know, along during a, an NFL football game where the guy's trying to, you know, to, to get out of the way of a sideline judge or a ref, right? You see it that way too. Sure. But the most common is in the in the heat of battle, if you will, where they have to make an adjustment that's very, very quick and their brain is just not connected and the forces get they get totally directed towards the ACL. So it's a really fascinating thing. Before we get to our next guest, I have to ask you, okay, so these people come in to see you on Monday morning, let's take for an example. Um, do they know, are they thinking ACL tear? Have they gone to the emergency room or are they coming in we heard a pop or we've, you know, they, they've never experienced ACL tear before. Are they suggesting ACL tear? Well, How does that happen? I'm I mean, just the reality, yeah. I mean, the reality is that in, you know, and it depends on, you know, the nature of a practice, but many of the patients who are coming in are, already have an MRI and they have a diagnosis and they're there for either a second opinion or treatment. Okay. So they come in and they know, but there's no question. I get a couple that are sort of the virgin ACL. They come in and they say, look, on Saturday, I'm per- you know, I have a, th- I think this is maybe what happened, but running uh, changed direction or I got, there was a collision. I felt a pop and my knee swelled and they come in limping and they, maybe they went to the emergency room and they're coming with a brace and they were told to go see a doctor. It's interesting, you know, it's on, it's on everyone's radar to such an extent that people kind of know they can diagnose themselves. And I can tell you, I can make the diagnosis over the telephone. I mean, I, you pretty much know the story is almost always the same. 
So it's a it's a it, it's a it's a preserved type of injury where you always hear the same f- sequence of facts. Well, you need a surgeon, then you'd of course need a um, physical therapist to uh, help you out. Let's bring on one of the best from Athletico. Annie Bierman is joining us, specialist in sports physical therapy from Athletico and program co-manager of the hip preservation team and ACL 3P team. Annie, what's an ACL 3P team? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Our ACL 3P team, our, our 3Ps are prevention, progression, and performance. So we, we would love to try our best to prevent all ACL injuries, but reality is that's not happening. So when they do happen, we use the best research that we have as physical therapists to progress them through a regular post-op protocol. And then on the performance side, we use some video analysis and a cluster of tests to make sure that these athletes are ready to return to the field with minimal risk of re-injury since they have um, sometimes up to a 30% chance of of re-tearing either their same side or their opposite side. So we use the best research we can to minimize their risk for getting back on the field to the sport they love. All right, so Annie, let's take our listeners through this, Dr. Cole. Okay, they see you, you might perform a surgery. Do you perform most surgeries on ACLs? There are ACLs you don't do surgery on, or is yeah, it 100% it's of the time? A, that's actually a really fascinating area of science now because we're starting to, we, we've always sort of lumped people into you know three categories. There's copers who can tolerate not having an ACL. There's non-copers who, no matter what they do, they need to have an ACL. And then there's, You're talking surgery. Yeah, yeah, in order to function at a high level, even with activities of day living, their knee is giving way. And then there's those who can make some modest changes and cope with not having an ACL. Does that make sense? So, and does it heal by itself? No, it may not heal and it may not tighten up. But you, you know, there's some people who don't live or uh, um, participate in ACL dependent activities. You know, okay. so let's say I, I'm a runner, but I. I, you know, I was at my bachelorette party and I was dancing on a bar and I fell off the bar and the only thing I do is run, but I tore my ACL falling off the bar. Yeah, I've gotten that story before, okay? <laughs> so so that's an individual who in theory may not engage in ACL-dependent activities. But if that same, indi- meaning, you know, cutting, pivoting, soccer, basketball, all they like to do is run and they're not skiing, they're not doing things that call into play the ACL. But that same individual, even with activities daily living, might need their ACL. Do you follow me? Yeah, but I'm thinking all runners need their ACL. No, not necessarily. Right. I mean, many of my patients, so what happens is they come in, their knee is swollen, they can't fully straighten it. The first thing they do is they go to someone like, like Annie at Athletico and they get prehabilitation. So they've got to get their knee. I tell them by the time they have their surgery, they should feel like they, they don't even know why they're having an operation. In other words, they feel great. They have minimal to no pain. They have full range of motion equal to the other side. Their quads are firing. The swelling is down. That's a patient who's ready to have surgery. And the main disability they have is if, if they were to engage in an ACL-dependent activity, the kind of activity that tears the ACL in the first place, for example, um, th- th- that's when they have a problem. But they're not doing that pre-surgically. Let me clarify. So you're saying before you do surgery, they go see Annie at Athletico. They will. They'll wow. go to prehab. Really? Yeah, that's a prehabilitation is a big part of what we do. Prehabilitation. You never want to rush ACL surgery. You know, if you remember some of our high profile athletes, one of the conversations was, "Why aren't you doing the surgery right away? Right away?" Because you know, time, we need the time for recovery. It's because they've got to get prepared, you know, physically before their surgery, so to to minimize any chance of a complication. All right, again, we're talking with Annie Beerman, and let's have Annie. Um, take it from there, from Athletico, and tell me a little bit about that. Uh, the thing that Dr. Cole was talking about, the pre-surgical uh, routine. 
Oh, I think pre-surgery PT is so important, and it helps improve patients' outcomes even after their surgery. So what we work on pre-surgery is getting range of motion back, full extension, as much flexion as we can, getting really good quad control. Uh, it shuts back down after surgery, but getting it kicking on before surgery will help them get it back quicker after surgery. Uh, and then just getting a normal walking gait is very important as well. Let me, let me ask you about the prevention. Um, there's probably between four and six skills, especially identified in women, that are important for prevention. Tell me where you're at today with your ACL prevention program. And that could go to speak to patients who've never had an injury, right, or to those who've had surgery and they're trying to prevent this from happening again. It's probably the same things that you'd work on, I imagine. So what are those things that you currently work on today to prevent either the injury from happening in the first place or from a recurrence? So the best friends of the ACL from a muscle perspective are the gluteus medius, which is your outside butt muscle, and your obliques. Um, So getting those kicking on and getting that core strength is really the building block of a good ACL prevention program. We can also get the hamstrings and quads, especially working eccentrically, but but I really like getting that core kicking on because without that core, you can't have proper landing mechanics and proper cutting mechanics. So once we get those strengthening exercises going, then we work a lot on repetition with landing, starting with two legs and then with one leg and then proper cutting. And I see really high-level elite athletes uh, who have no idea about proper cutting. They round it, they cut on the wrong leg, they have no idea how to decelerate with control of their body. So teaching that body control and then, like you said, trying to add some perturbation to that, which is really hard in a controlled environment. Um, But those are all uh, really important aspects of a good injury prevention program. Yeah, what I'll do in the office is I'll have uh, an athlete, li- you know, literally do sort of a, the equivalent of a box jump or just jump up off the floor and watch how they land, and you can get a good sense of what happens at the level of the hip if their hip kind of drops on one side, if their foot rotates out and they they drop into sort of a knock knee position or posture. Those are signs of inherent weakness. And the other things that have been shown recently to be super important is women tend to have very strong quadriceps and weak hamstrings. And it's the what we call the quadriceps strength, the hamstring strength ratio. When that's really high, meaning quad strength is really excessive or just very good, but their hamstrings are not at the same level, that is a risk factor for ACL injury. And related to that, which is sort of the opposite but is very true, is that sheer quadriceps strength, having a good quad strength is also very important to prevent ACL injury. So it's important to have strong quads, but it's also important not to have weak hamstrings. Those are some really important variables for ACL prevention and rehabilitation. Again, our guest, Annie Bierman from Athletico. She's a certified specialist in sports physical therapy. Annie, we're out of time, but uh, great stuff. Really appreciate you joining us. And I know with the uh, fall sports season upon us, um, the ACL is uh, something that uh, we got to keep an eye on, right? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. And don't hesitate to call any of the Athletico clinics to schedule a ACL 3P screen uh, if you want to have your athletes screened for any risk factors. And I'll sneak this in. I just got the email this week that I saw for the first time. Uh, no prescription needed, right? You guys are just trying to point that out with Athletico, right? Free assessment yeah. for your pain and injury. Yeah. That's kind of neat. Governor Rauner just signed a direct access bill, so you no longer need a prescription to come see a physical therapist. We've been fighting this in the legislature for a very long time, and it is so exciting. Fantastic. Athletico.com is their website. Annie Bierman, our guest. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. Up next on Sports Medicine Weekly, our 
soon becoming famous, if not already, Ask the Doctor segment. We'll tell you how. We'll have questions for this week. I've got one myself. Stay with us at Sports Medicine Weekly on 670 The Score.